you've made it through another few weeks, earning some bank and making your way to the weekend once again. As you start to settle into another Netflix binge, watching the crazy antics go down in Scranton, your mind starts to wander off to your investments again. You started taking a look at what's available on the market and what your goals are. The student debt you had is near gone, and you have your eyes set on moving out of your parents' place in the next two years. You work hard for your money, and you don't want to give any up, but keeping it in a savings account just isn't getting you where you want to be. You know stocks can have some upside, but going to the market can be risky for the first time, which gives you some serious knee sweats. Stumped for the day and ready to go back to Netflix, you come to our questions for today. What exactly is risk, and how does it impact my investments? Welcome, everyone, to our fourth investments episode. This is your host, Gaetano, and with me is my co-host, Joey, better known as Joe Tax. And today, we're going to dive a little bit more into the topic of risk and how it's associated with investing. We really want to make sure that listeners understand just how important it is to consider the impact of risk on their investment portfolios before they start investing. It's extremely crucial, and I don't believe that enough investors understand just how significant risk is. And with everything happening in the markets, it's better we cover it early on before anyone buys their first investment or buys more of anything. This is going to be a a kind of an elaboration of what we discussed in episode two. We just want to make sure that we really drive the point home. And that's what we're going to do now. So Joey, what is risk? So the actual definition of risk is the chance that an outcome or an investment's actual result will differ from its expected outcome or return. So what you think might happen may not actually happen in the end. So let's just say I buy a $100 investment that's expected to give me a 5% return. There is a chance or a risk that I will get less than 5% or that I might even lose my $100 investment altogether. On top of that, there's even the chance that I could end up making more money than the actual 5% that it's expected This is all associated with the risk of the investment itself. Risk is necessary because investors are compensated based on the amounts of risk they're willing to take on. So myself, I'm not really much of the risky investor. I like to have my money on hand and just kind of see it grow. But other people might have a little more risk that's associated with their actual investments because they're willing to take on more of that risk. The less risky an investment, the less return you can expect to receive. And too low a risk, you won't make any income. But too much risk, you could lose your entire investment. It's a tough balancing act. All right, so where is risk found? Well, in the investing world, risk is everywhere. It's just the way the investing world operates. Each investment type or investment class will have its own overall risk rating. And then each individual investment within an investment class will have its own risk rating as well. So it's kind of an overarching risk and then specific risk in a way. So it's kind of like Oprah. You get a bit of risk. You get a bit of risk. Everyone gets a bit of risk. That's that's essentially how it is with investments. Everything's got a bit of risk. For those of you that can't see right now because we're just on a podcast, (laughs) Gaetano's doing a great little dance to imitate his (laughs) Oprah impression. He's just pointing everywhere. You get risk. You get risk. Now, some of you may not be familiar with the term investment class, uh, which is also called an asset class. This is simply a grouping of investments that exhibit similar characteristics and are subject to the same laws and regulations. So as an example, we can use uh, equities, which includes stocks. It's something most well-known among uh, investors. This is an example of an asset class, and it's made up of instruments that will often behave very similarly to one another in the marketplace. Example would be like the stock market. 
you see a lot of the stocks will move in similar motions on a large scale, which would be the stock market. Now, in our show, we intend to cover the four most common asset classes or investment classes. We're going to be using those terms interchangeably going forward. Just want to point that out now. But we are going to be covering the four most common for beginning investors. And that is high-grade fixed income, which includes bonds. We're going to be covering equities, which includes stocks. We're going to be covering cash and cash equivalents, which includes the money market funds and GICs. And we are also going to be covering real estate. So this can be land, a home, rental building. Uh, Those are the four that we want to cover at the moment. And we're also going to explain how the risk rating goes with each of them. So of those four asset classes, the least risky would be the cash and cash equivalents. The next risky would be the high-grade fixed income. After that, it would be equities. And then finally, we would have real estate. We'll be diving into those four asset classes in our later episodes. We'll spend some time talking about the risks associated with each of them and why they have their specific risk rating. This is just to give you an an idea of the spectrum that these investments fall on a risk scale, if you will. So Gaetano, listening to the list that you ended up making between those four different asset classes or investment classes that you were talking about, you kind of detailed that things like cash were the least risky, which makes sense. But why exactly would we end up seeing more risk involved with things like stocks where it's companies that we're purchasing into or in real estate where, you know, it's it's land developments or building that we're going to be buying into? So that is a phenomenal question. Thanks, Joey. Yeah. (laughs) The easiest way to explain this, though, is to first use an example. Say someone wants to commute from point A to point B. All right. We're going to use three different examples. You can walk on the side of the road. You can bike and you can drive. Each of those three methods of transportation have an inherent risk associated with it. When you're walking, you might trip and hit yourself off the curb. You might get injured. If you're biking, you might get clipped and end up in an accident. If you're driving, you might end up in a car accident or you might cause an accident. There are risks associated with each of those methods of transportation and they are inherent to each of them. It's the same thing with investments. Each investment has its own inherent set of risks. Now, they might not be associated with driving. They might be associated with the business itself or maybe some economic factor in the marketplace or in the world that could cause it to get into the equivalent of an accident or a crash. As you can see in my example, the risks associated with driving are not going to be the same as walking. It's the same thing with investments. Each are going to have different risks that you need to identify and be aware of. So that's what we're going to spend some time on now going over. We're just going to list out four main risks that every new investor should be aware of to at least broaden their understanding of how investments work. And the first one is going to be business risk. And it's actually called business risk. The risk is that a business you are investing in goes under and you lose your entire investment. Essentially, kind of like Blockbuster, it's gone. You see see nice memorials when you drive by downtown. You see that big logo on that angle. It's gone. That's a business risk. The business, unfortunately, is no longer there. The second main type of risk is called volatility risk. That's a fun word to say, volatility. The risk is that an investment's value in the market will fluctuate or change, which can result in your investment decreasing in value. Now, the opposite can also hold true. It can maybe increase in value, but that's not really a risk. That's a benefit. The risk is that it decreases. A third risk is called inflation risk. 
Now, this is a risk that's not just associated with investing. It's actually in your everyday lives. Inflation is the general increases in everyday prices or the fall in your everyday purchasing power with your money. A little bit technical. Let's try and explain a little bit simpler. So let's just say that you end up walking into Tim Hortons and a coffee costs $2. Now, that $2 coffee may not end up being $2 again two years from now. It might be $2.25 or $2.50 for that exact same medium coffee that you end up buying. Now, that's as a result of inflation because all the inputs for that coffee increased, meaning that the actual value of that coffee has to increase as well. Now, when you look at your money, that means that the buying power of that $2 actually goes down over time. So that $2 that you spent on a coffee today may not get you a full coffee in two years from now. The reason it's a risk to your investments is because if you pick an investment that isn't able to keep up with inflation, you are losing purchasing power. It means that, like Joy said, you would be able to buy maybe a cup of coffee today, but if the money you have does not generate enough to keep up with inflation over the next two years, you won't have $2.25 to buy that coffee in two years. You might only have $2.15. So that's what inflation risk is in regards to investments. And it's often seen as the bare minimum risk investors need to take because they want to keep purchasing power. The last risk that we're going to focus on is called liquidity risk. Now, this is a risk that an investor may not be able to find someone to sell an investment to. Essentially, it means that there's no market for that asset. No one wants to buy it from you. Imagine you have an old couch and put on Kijiji. If no one wants to buy it at the price you're offering it for, it means that there's a liquidity risk. Someone does not want to buy that investment from you. You might have to lower the price to a certain point where someone will finally buy it from you. Or you know, maybe you have something that really just needs to get shipped off to the garbage dump. No one wants it. That's a liquidity risk. So those are individual examples. Why don't we give you an example of multiple ones together, which will be more reflective of the real world. So I'll give you a per example of business risk, volatility risk, and liquidity risk all at once. And it's through some of the Reddit meme stocks that we've been seeing all over the news since January. So the share prices have jumped and dropped by large amounts very quickly. That is an example of volatility risk. The companies that are fluctuating so much have been deemed by many industry professionals to be companies at risk of being irrelevant or non-existent in the near future. That's business risk. The last example is because of those large price drops, the reason those drops happened is because the price got to such a high point that no one was willing to buy that investment at that price. Hence, liquidity risk. No one wanted to buy it from you. So the prices had to start coming down until it got to a point where people were willing to start buying it again. That is just an example of risks that a lot of these young and new investors don't fully understand when they started buying these Reddit meme stocks. And that's why we want to use this example. However you want to buy, whatever you want to buy, that's your decision, but you should at least understand the risks associated with what you're buying. Another example that we can look at is look at what happened to the markets when COVID hit. Markets everywhere took a hit and, you know, some stocks of certain companies ended up soaring while others just got absolutely decimated. You can look at something like Zoom that absolutely took off because everyone had to move online. Whereas something like AMC or any of the major chains like Cineplex ended up having a pretty big hit because nobody could end up going to movies anymore. If you had all your money in one company, like say you had all your money in AMC, this could significantly end up hurting your portfolio. 
So it's important to end up diversifying so something like Zoom can end up mitigating the loss that you would end up seeing on those AMC shares. If you put some money in different stocks, you might still have some in a lost position, but maybe others might be in a gain position that kind of offset and bring you to a good balance. And the same goes for different investment classes. Joe's example focused just on equities, which were the stocks. But if you have a portfolio that consists of stocks and bonds, those often move in opposite directions. We're not going to dive into why they move in opposite directions in this episode. That's for another day. But they often do because of their inherent characteristics. So by having a bit of money in both of those, just as an example, when one goes down, the other one goes up. So your portfolio averages a certain performance over time. So we've talked about like what risks are actually prevalent within the market and what risks you can end up seeing when you end up trying to invest in different items. But you really have to base what you're willing to end up putting towards risk and how you end up applying that to your portfolio. And that's the premise called risk tolerance. So risk tolerance is an investor's ability to psychologically endure the potential of losing money on your investment. That's a pretty heavy statement right there to say that you psychologically are able to go through this, but it is pretty significant when you're actually applying it to what you're willing to put your money into and how much of your money you're willing to put on the line to make sure that you end up having future growth. So why is this important? A, every single person has a different risk tolerance. My risk tolerance is going to be very different than Gaetano's, and that could end up just being as a result of either, you know, our incomes, how long we've been in the market, or even what our eventual goals could end up being. And B, every single type of investment has a different level of risk associated with it. So it's extremely important that investors take the time to learn about their own risk tolerance, as it can help narrow down the type of investment classes they'd be comfortable holding. So myself, I know that I don't necessarily have as much comfort with trying to enter into the equities and going into the stock market just because I'd like to try and build up a little more capital right now. Whereas I know Gaetano has really taken the dive into trying to get ETFs, different stocks. He's got a bit of a higher risk tolerance when it comes to his investing just because he has a little more experience with the markets. Investors can find out what their risk tolerance is by taking questionnaires online, doing different tests offered by financial institutions, or even just having a chat with someone that has you know any sort of understanding of what actually goes on within the market as well. You can end up really determining what your risk tolerance is, what kind of investments align with what you would want, and what you can end up doing moving forward based off of all this information that you have now. So as Joey mentioned, he and I do have different risk tolerances. He is working on building up capital right now. And as he does this, he's also learning more about the markets. And when he enters it more so, he will understand his risk tolerance a lot better. For me, I've already understood mine. What I'm looking to do is reduce my exposure, my risk exposure. And this is through diversity of a portfolio. This is something that every person should do. And it has to go back to that old saying, if you will, don't put all your eggs in one basket. If something happens to that basket, you lose all your eggs. It's the same thing with your money. You never put all your money in one investment. You need to make sure that you have either multiple baskets or multiple things held in a basket that could withstand whatever is going to hit that basket. So this is what I spent a lot of my time learning and understanding. And as Joy mentioned, he said, I have some ETFs and stocks. All of that is true. I found them that allowed me to get exposure to different investments. And then within those investment classes, different investments, I guess, <laughs> poor way of wording it, but I looked at different investment classes which are the overarching umbrella of a certain type. And then I looked at what was within it. 
and I selected a variety of them that fit my comfort level as well as my goals. They aligned with my investment plan. Again, check out episode two if you don't know about that. But you need to understand how to diversify your portfolio. And this is going to take some homework. You can be very hands-off and just find an option that provides you with a preset portfolio. These are offered by financial institutions. And I think, Joey, you mentioned you actually did this alternative early on uh, through mutual funds. It gave you the diversity you needed. So you didn't have those cold knee sweats in the middle of the night. Other way of doing it is more my way where over time, as you become more comfortable, you'll understand how to do the diversification on your own. So how do you diversify? Well, the starting point is to understand at a minimum, the four asset classes that we mentioned earlier on, and we will be covering in later episodes. So stay tuned. We will go over them. You want to, at a bare minimum, make sure that your portfolio consists to some extent of those four asset classes. And again, those were high grade fixed income, equities, cash and cash equivalents, and real estate. How you go about diversifying will differ from each person. It has to do with your risk tolerance, your resources available, access to the investments in general. But you should be looking to have a portion of each of those four. I've seen the bare basic beginner templates be like 25% equities, 25% fixed income, 25% real estate, 25% cash for, in case you need it. We're not recommending any fixed allocation. That is for you to decide, but you can easily find these through various professionals online or financial advisors if you have one already. You can discuss them what is the best allocation at your point in time with your finances. But at a minimum, you should have a bit of exposure to each. We'd also say that based off of the exposure that you want to take on, it's based off of your risk tolerance that you're willing to take with each one of those asset classes. So if you're someone who doesn't want to have much risk involved, you might look more towards the cash and cash equivalents or the bonds. Whereas if you are someone who is willing to take on a little more risk, you might end up looking at something like real estate or diving into the stock market. Again, make sure it aligns with your investment plan. Check out episode two so that you can make sure that you have your plan set up properly. And this will complement it. It'll give you a better understanding of why everything ties together. The next thing you need to understand about risk is how it complements your investment goals and your investment timeline. When an investment is less risky, it's ideal for a shorter term time horizon. When investment is more risky, it's more recommended for a long-term investment horizon. The reason is, say we switch them, high risk in a short term. Well, if things go bad, you lose your investment. If you have a safe investment in the long term, you lose out on potential returns. So for example, you get a government bond for 30 years at 2% return, we'll say, great, you made 2% over 30 years. You weren't even able to keep up with inflation though. So you actually lost out. And you also gave up on the potential returns of a stock over 30 years. So you need to make sure that you're bearing the right amount of risk for the right amount of time for the right goals. Another item that you want to consider when investing is that you want to invest based on facts, not emotions. So really don't let FOMO get to you or the fact that you have a friend who's saying, I'm making all this money on Bitcoin, but I don't know why you're actually not in the market right now. These are items that can end up impacting your investment strategy negatively because they would end up being items that could end up making you throw money into stocks that you don't really have an understanding of markets that you just don't really know well enough to actually try and track properly when you're looking at what your money can end up doing for you. And just items like this that can end up putting you in a position that could potentially incur more risk than you're actually comfortable with. 
So the big item and the big takeaway for that is just do your homework when you end up having items that are presented to you when it comes to investing. You don't want to buy an investment you don't understand, just like you don't want to end up buying like a washing machine that you have no idea how it runs. It just end up being something that, you know, it'll confuse you more than anything. And yes, it does look nice and you can use it, but it's something that you don't really know how it works essentially. So just do your homework and make sure that you know what you're buying before you actually buy. Do you have a bad experience with a washing machine? Can't say I've ever had to buy a washing machine in my life, but I assume that if it's got way too many buttons on it and it's more than just normal load, regular load, something like that, I'd probably have some trouble. That's fair. Uh, but Joey's right. Uh, never buy something you don't understand. Don't, don't fall for those marketing gimmicks like, oh, you're missing out. There's always going to be another opportunity to invest. It's better you have the cash available to invest in the next opportunity than to have lost it rushing into something you didn't understand. Exactly. So now that we've gone through what exactly these risks are and what's associated with them, I think it's time for some key takeaways. Don't you think, Gaetano? Absolutely agree. So the first takeaway that we really want to hammer home is that investment risk is the chance that an outcome or an investment's actual result will differ from its expected outcome or return. All investments carry risk, and you have to make sure that this risk aligns with what you're actually willing to do with your money. Now, risk is necessary in investing because investors are compensated based on the amount of risk they are willing to take. This is, again, why safe investments like bonds have lower returns than riskier investments like stocks. The third item we're looking at is making sure that you don't put all your eggs in one basket. You want to make sure that you structure a diversified portfolio of different investments in different asset classes and industries. So that you make your money do the work for you, but it also aligns with the time horizons that you have for your money as well. And finally, do your homework, understand what you intend to buy, and leave your emotions at the door. Again, there will always be another investment opportunity. Don't let FOMO get to you. It's better to have missed an opportunity and still have the cash available to invest the next time one comes around than to have spent it and have taken a big L in your portfolio and now you're SOL. Thanks so much for listening today. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to two random schmucks on the internet. If you liked what you heard, make sure to click the follow button here on Spotify to know when our new content drops. Give us a follow on the gram and check out our email address in the description above if you have suggestions for future content. If you're ready to take the dive into getting fit educated with your finances, we're here to help you through your journey. We hope you stay positive, test negative, and have yourself a great day.